You are listening to Mindfully Well with Mel, episode number 28. Hey friends, welcome to Mindfully Well with Mel. I'm your host, Melissa Ike. I'm a registered nurse, certified functional nutritionist, and life coach who empowers busy women to attain the life they love and to feel well inside and out. This podcast dives deep into the physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual aspects of what it looks like to live mindfully well. So let's get started. Hey friends, welcome to today's episode where I'm going to be busting five health myths that you are wondering about. I asked this question on Instagram because I have one of my own I wanted to talk about today and so you're going to hear about that, but I also wanted to hear what are the things that you wonder, are they true or are they not true? Because let's be honest, we live in a day and age where information is everywhere, it's at our fingertips at all times. Anything we want to know, we can simply type it into the search bar and bam, there it is. It's not like back in the day when we had to go to the library. I'm going to be aging myself right now, but you had to go to the library and look at the encyclopedia and go by the alphabet and hope that you found your answer in there. And that was like the end all be all. That was where the information was and that's it. And then you just had to take it for what it said. Um, But now information is everywhere. But often if we don't know how to be discerning with our sources of information, we can actually be spoon fed what someone wants us to know, whether it's true or not. Much of the information out there is created and not based on actual facts, but rather opinions, and sometimes to just get you to purchase something or believe something in favor for someone else. Another lens to look through when it comes to finding facts about things is that we expect this to be a binary answer. It's yes or it's no. It's black or it's white. But if you've been with me for some time, you know that very few things are this way. Almost everything is a shade of gray. I know that's annoying, but remember the reason it feels annoying is because your mind loves certainty. With certainty, it knows what to expect and that creates a sense of safety. Your mind loves that. So it's always going to look for yes or no, black or white, but that doesn't mean it's right or correct. In those cases, it's probably providing you with a false sense of security. And when you find out that it wasn't the right answer for you later on, now you feel either betrayed or confused. And this can lead to doing loops and loops of the same thing over and over just to find a yes or a no. So although today I'm going to bust some myths, remember that what's right for you isn't right for her and what's right for her isn't right for me. And so it goes, but let's bring some science and some facts into today. So I have five myths I'm going to bust or talk about, or give you some more information. First myth. Number one, lifting weights for women will make you bulky. This is not true. Also, what does bulky mean? Like bodybuilder bulky? Definitely no. It's very hard to do. Those women train like beasts. They eat like it's their job. And they also might have a little bit of help from the roids. Not all of them, but some of them do. And it's really, really hard to do. Women don't actually have the hormones to create bulky muscles. 
Some women, yes, have more testosterone than others, and they maybe favor endosterone, which would make muscle building easier, but it's not like starting a weightlifting routine is going to make your muscles explode, even if you would be a woman who happens to have more testosterone. Now, can lifting make your muscles appear? Yes. That's half of the point on why we lift weights, right? We want to not only be strong, but we also want to look strong. When someone says they want to be toned, this is actually the look they're going for. You can't just lose body fat and not create muscle for a toned look. I did this. I was in bodybuilding. If you didn't know that about me, now you know. And um, I trained like it was my second job. I ate 1,800 to 2,500 calories a day for three years. I tracked every morsel of my food and I made like five pounds of muscle. And just so you know, that's not a lot. Keep in mind, I'm a small statured person. So if you saw my biological parents, it would be almost laughable that I, I hope that I would get bigger muscles than I did. I can assure you that lifting weights will not create the bulk you're afraid of, but rather the toned look that you desire. Lifting weights also simply makes you a healthier person. Not only are you stronger, but you're less likely to break a bone, suffer from osteoporosis as you age. You're also metabolically healthier, which means weight loss is easier and fat loss is harder, which we all want. It's something I talk to all of my clients about, and I highly encourage them to strength train. In fact, I can't even remember the last client that I prescribed cardio to outside of just walking. I just encourage strength training and walking. That's how metabolically supportive muscle is on your body. So don't fear lifting weights at all. And when I'm saying lifting, I'm not talking about three or five pound dumbbells. I'm talking about lifting as heavy as you can. Typically between the eight to 15 rep range, you should be lifting heavy enough where the last two reps are really hard to do, but you're still keeping your form. And this is ideal for muscle growth. And again, it will not make you bulky. The next myth, starvation mode. It's a myth. Starvation mode implies that your body's metabolism will just stop working if you reduce your calorie intake. This is not true. If it were true, you would die. Your metabolism has to work in order for you to live. It's also a scare tactic, which I'm not a fan of, but let's talk about where it stemmed from. And that's if you lower your intake and increase your output, AKA eat less, move more, your metabolism will naturally start to decrease over time to match the in and the out. And it does this to protect you. If you listen to the right way week, a couple weeks ago, we talked about this on day four. But your body doesn't freak out on hold on to everything just as soon as you stop eating, right? That wouldn't make sense because we always have intervals of not eating throughout the day. We always go several hours without eating while we're sleeping. Your metabolism doesn't just shut off. You don't go into starvation mode. But it does have built-in mechanisms, which are wonderful, to help support you until you start eating again. Now, there are things I want you to do to keep your metabolism as high as we possibly can while you're losing weight so that you don't end up having to eat 1,200 calories a day to lose weight. That's not optimal. We want to eat as much as possible and still lose weight so your metabolism is healthy. And when you are ready to start increasing your calories, you can do so without gaining all the weight back. 
And this question actually came from an Instagram follower whose trainer told her to eat above her calorie maintenance to avoid starvation mode. Eating above calorie maintenance to prevent lowering your metabolism isn't necessary. We just want to eat at our maintenance, but it is necessary if you're wanting to put on a significant amount of muscle. Um, In order to do this, you have to eat above maintenance calories because in order to create the muscle, your body needs more than the normal amount of food resources to create that muscle. Um, But when you do this, you will put on body fat and that's just the name of the game. If sometimes this will happen in the beginning phases of putting on muscle and losing body fat, um, but only if you're a beginner, once you become moderate or advanced, which means you've been lifting for a while, you've been eating healthy for a while, your body just, that's your maintenance now. And so now you have to do something different, which means increasing your calories beyond what just keeps your body at maintenance. And just for reference, maintenance means the amount of calories you eat day in and day out matches um, your uh, metabolism and that you don't gain weight, you don't lose weight, you kind of, you're just at maintenance. Um, women who do this are typically in like the bodybuilding industry or they are maybe doing CrossFit workouts and training to put on some muscle and then they go into a methodical cut at some point to take off body fat. And if this is something that you want to do, I definitely recommend um, hiring a coach for this because it can be kind of uncomfortable to be a woman and start eating uh, above maintenance in order to put on muscle. And then knowing that in the future, you're going to take it off. It can just be really uncomfortable. This is what I did for years when I was doing bodybuilding competitions. When I said I was eating 2,500 calories a day, I was putting on body fat, but I was also putting on muscle because I was lifting a lot. But the thing is, when you're going through that, you can't actually see the muscle yet. All you see is the body fat, and that can feel uncomfortable. It can feel like you look uncomfortable, although you get a lot of mind games going on. So you definitely want to do this with, um, with a coach's guidance. But if you are not doing that and someone's telling you you need to eat above maintenance in order to not be in starvation mode and you are just wanting to be a healthier person, then you're just going to put on body fat. Um, You're going to put on minimal muscle if you're not training really hard with weights and it probably is just going to be uncomfortable for you and so it's not necessary to have a healthy metabolism and have to eat above your calorie intake. Okay, next myth. Sugar-free is better than the sugar version of foods. So this one I'm going to be a little more discerning. And we know that sugar-free foods are usually full of artificial sweeteners to make them taste sweet. We know that some sugar-free alternatives don't have health implications. And in moderation, they can be fine right? However, overdoing it as with anything isn't a great idea. And for one, I want you to remember that your gut microbiome doesn't love sugar alternatives. Also keep in mind that when sugar alternatives are created in a lab and then calculated for their calorie and carb amounts, it usually comes close to zero. If it's close to zero, they can call it zero. But your gut microbiome is so smart that it's actually able to make its own calories from some of these substitutes. So zero in the lab doesn't actually mean zero in your body. You have to remember that nothing is actually free when you put it in your body. Everything you put into your body is also information for your cells, for your DNA, for your genes. However, some alternatives are okay occasionally, but don't go ham on them. I want you to have... I know. 
And I know you want to have more direction than that. So let's take a situation that I would have with my clients. A few of them love Diet Coke. So this is an inevitable conversation I have with at least a handful of people per month. So they'll come to me and they, you know, they want to be healthier and they're drinking Diet Coke and they're like, tell me all the awful things about aspartame so, so that I quit, so that I stop drinking it. And then I just ask them, well, why do you like it? And usually they'll tell me something like it's bubbly. They like the taste of it. It feels like a break. It feels like a treat. And they ask how much, how much do you enjoy it? And they'll usually say, well, I love it, but I also feel guilty. So I ask if you knew you were drinking it because you liked it and you liked the feeling it gave you and not because you were secretly sabotaging yourself or slowly killing yourself with aspartame, would you still drink it? If it had nothing to actually do with the artificial sugars, how would you think about the Diet Coke? They would drink it. Then that's the answer. Just drink the freaking Diet Coke and you'll be fine. Now, I did talk about moderation, right? Because I don't advise you to just start drinking a ton of Diet Coke. Um, so what is moderation? For me, I like to see an average of less than one a week. Now, I'm going to be honest. I drink Diet Coke. I know. Call the cops. This functional <laughs> nutrition coach who dives deep into all the science drinks Diet friggin' Coke, but I'm not going to lie. I also love it, but I only have it in moderation. So what does moderation mean? If I take my kids to McDonald's, which I know call the cops on that one too, um, I will get a Diet Coke. So that's one instance. And honestly, do we eat McDonald's very often or we, I don't even need it, but my kids sometimes do. So maybe once every two months, I would say, or let's just say I'm feeling Diet Cokey. We all know that feeling, right? We just want the, the fizz and the buzz and we just like like the feeling. I would say maybe I have a couple of months. That, that's it. Outside of that, the artificial sweeteners that I have in my diet, I have some stevia in my coffee in the morning. And then there is also stevia in Element, which is the electrolyte powder I use. And I have one of those per day. And that's about it for me. And I feel great about it. I don't have any remorse about it. I don't feel guilty about drinking it. I enjoy the amount that I have. And I don't feel like there's any health implications going on with me having the amount that I have. So the amount of artificial sugar that you feel good about with the knowledge that you have is a good amount for you. And also let's ask ourselves, is it better to just have the sugar full version? No, I don't think so. That's going to send you on a blood sugar roller coaster, craving more and more sugar. And it's the same thing with how you feel about diet Coke. Are you good with the reason that you're eating it or drinking it? Then do it. And then if not, don't, right? I also am like more picky, I guess I would say about if I'm going to have sugar, what sources is my sugar coming from? So let's say we're going to have ice cream. I'm not going to go out and buy sugar-free ice cream. I'm going to fully enjoy normal ice cream and then just be done with it. I'm not going out and buying products that are like pretend food versions of the sugar full product just so I can have it, right? If you're going to have it, enjoy it and then be done with it versus trying to put all these different weird pretend foods into your diet just so you can feel like you're having a treat. Okay. Okay. So the next one, I, this is the one that I wanted to talk about. 
Now that I am pretty much fully into the functional nutrition space, I have just become so much more aware of this and I've got to say this, I've got to get it off my chest because it's really been bugging me. And what bugs me is not necessarily your problem, but I want you to know my stance on this. What bugs me is not your problem, but I want to clear my my thoughts and get this off my chest. Stop hating on your doctors. If you want change in how you're being treated, whether it's the time you have with your doctor, that they aren't finding the root causes or treating you with just medications or just not listening, this likely isn't a doctor problem. This is a health system problem. Your doctor did not spend hundreds of thousands of dollars for school in years and years and years of their life to not want to help you. They are good people. But health maintenance isn't their priority right now because there are so many sick people out there that need their acute attention, that need the medications. They are forced to see as many patients as they can in a day. And this leaves very little time for people who are like you and me and seemingly healthy people, but don't have a screaming diagnosis right now, but also feel like you have some ailments or some things going on, right? But that does mean that you are responsible for your health. It means that you have everything that you need at your fingertips. You have people like me who've dedicated their life and made it their life's mission to make sure that you live an optimal life and not just a fine life. But your doctor does not have the time to make sure that you do, and it's not their fault. This is unfortunately a political and insurance and a hospital system issue. Stop bashing your doctor. Yes, you deserve to be heard. If your doctor isn't listening, there are more doctors out there. But also maybe not throwing everything at your doctor and expecting them to run through it with a fine tooth comb and handing it over to you nicely in a package with nutrition advice or how to come off your meds or what kind of exercising to do or to fast or to not fast or to balance your hormones. This is actually your job and how to take care of yourself in the best way. And also to start finding solutions instead of finding problems. I believe that Western medicine is beautiful and it's much needed. If I break my arm, I'm going to the ER. If my child needs surgery, I'm going to a surgeon. I have a medical doctor. I have a preventative care doctor. But I also know that if I want to live better than the standard, then I need to put in more work than the standard of care that's offered. I have a health coach. I have a breast health doctor. I have a regular doctor. I have a chiropractor. I have an internal medicine doctor. I have a pelvic floor therapist. I've gone to counseling. I've used the resources that are available to me instead of picking one doctor and throwing it all at her. They all hold different spaces for me. When I need a different container, I don't blame my doctor. I go look for more help because it's out there. Okay, rant over. Lastly, fasting. Boy, you guys really want to know all about the fasting. (laughs) So (laughs) I saved this for last because actually there is more information on fasting than I can give in one episode where I'm busting myths. And so this topic actually deserves its entire episode. So I'm going to do it justice and give it to you in two weeks. But why two weeks? Okay, because next week I'm going to assign you some homework and it's to listen to Um, episode three again, but actually I'm going to put it into a replay for next week. So you don't need to go search for it. 
It's going to be re-released next week, and I want you to listen to that so that you understand my stance on stress first, and then I want you to take that to the fasting episode. Also, my wonderful VA and podcast editor, Audra, is getting married this week, and she's not going to edit my podcast while she's getting married, so I'm going to honor her boundary. and also take a week off. Um, So I decided it's the perfect time to have you re-listen to one of the the best episodes I created. And um, if you've listened to it before, re-listen to it. If you haven't listened to it before, then this is the wonderful time to re-listen to it next week. And then I want you to take all that information you learn in the Unload Your Stress Bucket episode and take it to the fasting episode that will be in two weeks because I really want you to understand my stance on fasting and to not take it just as another piece of advice. I want you to take it and discern it and make it yours because there's, you're still going to find experts out there that have a different stance on fasting. Just because I say one thing doesn't mean that someone out there isn't going to say another thing. And the, the crazy thing about it is that we all have, we all have studies that prove it to be true, right? But I have a stance on fasting and it's based on my work. It's based on my experience with clients, um, and a woman's body. So as you may have guessed by what I've said so far, my answer will be in the gray, but I know you want an answer right now, so I'm going to say no, stop fasting and come back next week to listen to Unload Your Stress Bucket to get you really thinking hard about your stress and then how to approach it with your fasting. Okay, guys, that's all I have for today. I'm going to ask one thing from you today, and that's to leave a review. I haven't asked for that for a while, and my podcast is hitting home for so many of you, and we got to spread the word. In order for people to be able to find my podcast, I actually need reviews, and especially on Apple Podcasts, it is greatly appreciated and a little bit goes a long way. So if you could leave me a review and type a little bit on how you love the podcast, how it's changed for you, how it's helped you, I greatly, greatly appreciate that. Okay. I will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Mindfully Well with Mel. If you're ready to take practical steps to live a more mindful and healthy life, I encourage you to follow along on Instagram. You can find me at Melissa underscore Ike, where I share tips to help women just like you become healthier, lose unwanted weight, and feel well without the extremes and overwhelm. If this episode resonated with you, please leave a review on iTunes, which helps me to continue to create content you love. Finally, please note that the material in this episode is for educational purposes only and is not intended as a replacement for medical advice. Thanks for listening.